0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there, and uh, we got this guy. I am El
1: Nino. All other chocolate storms must bow before El Nino. <laughs> Yo soy El Nino, but those of you who don't habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino.
0: That was the late, great Chris Farley oh, Yeah, on Saturday Night Live <laughs> back in uh, the winter, early Spring of 97, 98, when all anyone could talk about was El Nino.
1: Yeah, I thought you were going to select to play uh, Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies. Is that about El Nino? Uh, it's in the it's in the lyric. I've kissed mermaids, rode the El Nino. Oh, yeah. Walk the sands with the crustaceans. I never realized that's what he was saying. Yeah, but riding the El Nino is sort of, as you'll see, it's not a wave. It's
0: wrong, Black Francis. You know? You were wrong. Charles. Can we call him Charles? No. Frank. He's Frank. But in the Pixies, he was Black Francis. Yeah, he's back to black. Yeah, Frank Black. Black. Frank Black. <laughs> Man,
1: I saw him in... Uh, you and I are both lifelong Pixies fans, mm-hmm. obviously. But uh, I saw him do a solo show. Uh, may have been with the Catholics, even, in a tiny little bar in L.A. when I lived there. Wow. And they were... I couldn't figure it out. They were... I mean, it's at like seventy-five people. I was like, "Why are you playing here, and why aren't there a thousand other people trying to get in here illegally?" Yeah, and he, you know, he's eight feet in front of me.
0: Well, I the, mean, the Catholics the were
1: okay, but oh man, those albums are great—not door-busting great. Oh, I think the the Catholics albums are really good. Really? Oh yeah? Huh? Yeah. I like favor. just playing all like Pixies numbers.
0: For, well, okay,
1: you know, yeah. Anyway,
0: great show at the mint in LA. Rode the El Niño. Yeah. I know exactly the line you're talking about, but I never realized Rode the El Niño. Right. Yeah. He pronounces things oddly. Maybe you thought he Yeah. I don't know. I think that it was like
1: Nino or something like that. Or maybe he didn't mean the weather phenomenon. Maybe he meant he got on the back of a small boy and rode around. Or, like the, horse. or the Christ child.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Because if you live in Spain or a Spanish-speaking uh, country and you turn on, say, the Weather Channel, uh, they will say things like, well, the Christ child is going to be way worse than the last time the Christ child came around. <laughs> That's what they say. Because El Nino, we should say, when it's capitalized, means the Christ child. That's right. If it's lowercase, it just means the boy in Spanish. But uh, uppercase, the baby Jesus Yeah, and uh, I never knew this until
1: we researched this. Uh, In Peru, the Spanish colonizers uh, coined that term when they discovered this phenomenon themselves around Christmas.
0: Yeah. So how about that? Yeah, it was pretty cool, I guess.
1: And we should mention, historically, this is nothing new. uh, What, El Nino? No, they um, uh, written records date back to 1525 and, uh, Spaniards there, again. Of course. And there are, uh, there's geological evidence that dates it back possibly if you like Harvard science. Go as, Harvard. <laughs> as much as, uh, 124,000 years because some scientists there, uh, or one in particular examined, uh, annual deposits on, on Indonesian coral. Yeah. And said, Hey, I think this is, this coral looks like it was affected by El Nino. Right. 124,000 years ago.
0: They I also saw they found evidence that um a very early um Peruvian culture collapsed because of the climate change brought about by El Niño. Oh, interesting. Based on some like the disappearance of some certain mollusk varieties. Huh. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So nothing new. We should probably tell people if you don't know what El Niño is, what El Niño is. Do you want to?
1: Sure. I do like I do with lots of things I don't understand. I go
0: to kids' science websites. Yeah, I found one that said, I was like, huh, I was reading this article three times, and I got to the bottom, it's and it said fifth grade earth yeah. science module.
1: I was like, man. It really helps, uh, and that's just a tip from us to you. Uh, if you're a dumb adult, then go look to kids' websites. Fifth grade is yeah. about <laughs> right there. All right, so uh, here's the deal. Uh, temperatures, world global temperatures depend a lot on the ocean, uh, the well, motion in we- the ocean. Weather period depends a lot on the temperature of the oceans. Right. So if you have a warm ocean, you're going to have more rain in that area. Right. Uh, and in the Pacific Ocean near the equator, or the equatorial region. Where it's warm. Where it's warm. Uh, you're going to have the sun baking that water on the surface, making it warmer.
0: Right, and then that so that, more rain. that water heats up the air right above it. That air rises, taking some of the, the moisture with it, uh-huh. and it rises up and meets cooler, drier air in the, uh, in the atmosphere. That water vapor condenses and turns into rain. There's your tropical thunderstorm. Boom. So that's part one. Right. And then in the Pacific specifically, there is a patch of warm water that usually gets blown from the Eastern Pacific to the Western Pacific, usually like clockwork. And when that happens, everything's normal. Yes. These are trade winds and they blow usually
1: pretty consistently but not always sometimes they uh don't blow
0: as heavy and sometimes they change direction yeah so if the trade wind isn't blowing this warm water the rotation of the earth on its axis actually pushes the warm water toward the east rather than toward the west that's correct and when everything's normal and the trade winds blow this warm water to the west uh in the winter time the uh rainy season comes to places like east asia right yeah and then, Western Peru, the Eastern Pacific, it's kind of confusing, so just refer to a map as we're talking. Yeah, that would help actually. Um, is normally dry and cool, right? Yeah. But, if the trade winds aren't there, like you say, to push that warm water along, that warm water stays right where it is off the coast of Peru in the Eastern Pacific, and all the weather in the world starts to change. This is what's called El Nino. That's right.
1: And El Nino isn't uh it's not something that just affects that one uh, region out in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. Right. It affects climate, well, not climate, but weather all over the world. Uh in the US, um what you usually see, and we'll talk more about this current El Nino that we're in because we're in one. Yeah. 2015-2016 winter. Uh but typically in the US, uh it's going to mean cooler and wetter weather in the southern part of the United States. Warmer weather in the upper Midwest and Pacific Northwest and Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, fewer hurricanes, more typhoons. Right. Uh, globally. Fewer,
0: fewer Atlantic hurricanes, more Pacific typhoons, I think. Aren't they one and the same? Like a hurricane and a typhoon? It's just depending on where in the world they are? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Depends on what you call it, I guess. We're going to find out. All right. I'm sure. Uh, around the world,
1: um, in Southeast Asia, where it's. Um, warm and dry in places like Australia, uh, it's gonna be, well, warm and dry. Right. Like, it can be dangerously dry. Yes. Drought conditions. Right.
0: It'll, it'll get drier than normal because that, that rain, the rainy season isn't being brought over there by the trade winds that year. Exactly. Uh, southern Africa, uh, warm
1: and dry. Central Africa, wetter. And then South America is sort of all over the place, um, depending on where you are from uh, dry in the northeast to wet in the west and south. Right. So those are the those are what El Nino will mean when it happens. Usually.
0: The thing is, is um, this happens every two to seven years supposedly um, and it, it's actually only in fairly recent times since the early 80s that science uh, has really sat up and paid attention to this and it was because they got caught off guard by one. Um, the But Throughout the study over the last, like, 30-something years, uh, we still don't have any idea what causes the trade winds to stop, basically, some years yeah. that produces El Nino. Um, and that's a huge mystery and one that, really, if we could solve that, if we could figure it out, then we could probably predict El Nino even further out, which is, as we'll see, would save lives. Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, why don't we take a quick break here, and we'll come back and um – talk a little bit more about the process.
0: <laughs> All
1: right, so you said every two to seven years. Yes, I did. Uh, El Nino comes on stage and takes
0: a bow, says, we are the Pixies. Seriously, if you haven't seen that Chris Farley bit, just go watch it. It's hilarious. he's, he's got like Carmen Miranda armbands on and oh, his yeah. shirt and it's great. <laughs> he liked to take his shirt off, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He got laughs. So Chuck, we were talking about how El Nino um affects the weather not just around like eastern Peru or making it drier in uh Southeast Asia or Australia. Yeah. Um and the reason that it affects weather around the world is because of the jet streams. There's a bunch of them, and basically the jet streams are where the stratosphere and the troposphere meet, and uh, it's just to put really... Uh, even, like, less than fifth-grade science. Second-grade science? They're like rivers of fast-moving air in already-moving air. It's a jet stream, basically, up in the atmosphere. Yeah. And they're basically like conveyor belts around the world. Yeah, they move from west to east. Right. And they push things like warm air and cool air and high pressure and low pressure and fronts and all over the world. And when these things encounter other fronts that are already there, they form weather, right? Yeah. Or... And it's weird to think of weather as the lack of something, but but having say cool dry weather, that's, that's still, still weather. that's still weather. Sure. Usually you think of weather as an event like a thunderstorm or tornado or yeah. something like that. But weather can also be unusually dry or unusually cool weather too.
1: Yeah, weather is just however it is right now is weather. It's it's very <laughs> it's very mellow. Uh and the jet stream uh because of its massive um power can affect uh, like, uh, like thousands of miles away right? Uh, things that you wouldn't think might be affected or affected.
0: Yeah, and so depending on where you are in a jet stream, jet streams are characterized by um, troughs and ridges, right? Yeah. And if you're underneath a ridge, things usually sten- tend to stay warm and dry, and if you're under a, uh, a trough, it's usually cold and wet. Yeah. So like you said, in an El Nino, uh, the southeastern United States it usually is sitting right underneath a uh, trough in the jet stream, Uh which means it's colder and wetter than usual. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's why. Because of the jet stream. People blame it on the El Nino, and the El Nino started the whole thing. Like, this this weather wouldn't be happening. But the reason the El Nino is distributed throughout the the world is because of the jet stream. So it's this very extraordinarily complex system working in concert with one another. To wreak havoc. Yes. For the most part.
1: Right. Uh, El Nino, uh, you know, we said every two to seven years is, is when we get one. And um, climatologists and weather people and meteorologists, mm-hmm. what else can I call them? Um, uh, weather bugs. Weather bugs. <laughs> they uh, look at patterns and you can't just say any time like, oh, things are heating up a little bit. It's El Nino. There are specific
0: conditions. Um, <laughs> right. they They look... In particular, at you, the- You can say that, but you'll get shouted down. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, meteorologist. Yeah, they love shouting.
1: Um, they look at ocean temperatures mainly in the Pacific, and when they find a 0. .9 degree Fahrenheit, or 0. .5 degree Celsius, uh, rise. Right. In the water, and then the, the conditions start to sort of act like we were talking about before with the wind. Right. Um, they say, alright, let's take a look at this and start charting it, everybody, mm-hmm. and everyone gets real excited in the office. And what they need is five overlapping three-month periods for that to be officially classified as El Nino.
0: Right. Otherwise, it's just, like you said, weather. But it all starts with the sea surface temperature, um, is what they call it, staying warmer, being warmer than usual.
1: Yeah, and right now we are officially in the strongest El Nino on
0: record. Yes. Uh, at a 3.1 degree rise Fahrenheit. And, its peak wow and it like El Nino conditions start at point nine degrees yeah and we're at three point one yeah and one of the other we'll talk about some of the other big ones but the
1: one in uh, 97 I believe that Chris Farley referenced uh-huh. <laughs> was that peaked at two point eight so this is officially the strongest although it's not really having the same result as what you would imagine as the strongest
0: right so you you would guess and you would probably be um, You wouldn't be shouted at in the meteorological conference Uh if you guessed this, but warmer weather, warmer sea surface temperatures should lead to worse weather conditions, drier in Indonesia, wetter in the southeastern United States. And that's just not happening this time. Well, it is, but not to the degree that they thought it would. Right. But not even, not even to the degree where, oh, this is, this is just slightly worse than it was in 97. It's actually not nearly as bad as it yeah. was in like 97, even though the sea surface temperature is higher. Yeah. And, and they can't it, explain that either. No, they can't. And they're blaming it on climate change. They're saying it's, climate change is definitely doing something. Yeah. What exactly? We don't know. Right. And again, the whole thing dates back to the, or the whole study of it dates back to, um, 1982, 83 season, right? Yeah, that was when, uh, meteorology was in its infancy.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, not exactly, but sort of. Uh, because they had an El Nino year then and they thought, hey, I think what's going on is this m- volcano in Mexico, El Chichon, erupted, mm-hmm. and that's wreaking havoc everywhere. That's gotta be what it is. Yeah, they later were like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, things are normal now. It wasn't the volcano.
0: It's, what, what could it be? Well, the, well, and the reason that it really got their attention is by the time the El Nino conditions ended, there was like $80 billion worth of damage worldwide, property damage, I think. Yeah. Um, And something like 2,000 people had lost their lives. So it really made these uh, meteorologists sit up and take notice. And so uh, agencies like NOAA started to drop buoys in the uh, Pacific Ocean. Sure. They started um, using weather balloons to study air temperatures in the area and really started tracking the whole thing to see what was going on and to to notice any changes. And that's when like El Nino study really started in earnest. Uh, Yeah, and there's also, we should mention La Nina, uh,
1: which is what's known as a sister to El Nino, Mm -hmm. uh, appropriately titled. And that is when the trade winds actually pick back up and are stronger than normal. Right. And the fact
0: that it's capitalized suggests that it's the Girl Christ Child. Right? Oh, yeah. I guess maybe El Nino La Nina both capitalized? It's I don't know. A little odd.
1: Uh and each of these phenomena are about 9 to 12 months long. Uh develop in the spring. Uh they peak in the autumn or winter and then weaken in the following spring and early summer. Right. So like right now when this El Nino, when they finally were like, all right, we're getting another El Nino, everyone <laughs> in Southern California was jumping up and down because they're uh, in the midst of a long drought, and they thought, we're going to get tons of rain, like we did in 97, and it's going to really help fill the coffers, and it just hasn't panned out that way. They they got a lot of rain in January, but nothing compared to 97. Right. Um, California
0: really angered God when they elected Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Was that what it was? Yeah. (laughs) You would pay. And, Chuck, um, I think you said La Nina doesn't always follow El Nino. I don't think so. Well, well it doesn't always follow El, El Nino. It's not guaranteed that when you have El Nino, you're going to have La Nina. Right. But La Nina is basically the opposite. The trade winds not only blow the way they're supposed to, they blow even more than ever before. Yeah. And it's really crazy dry uh, where it's supposed to be, and it's really crazy wet where it's supposed to be wet. Um, and then there's a period in between, a neutral period, where nothing's freaky. That's called regular weather. Right. And if you put all this together, El Nino, the neutral period, and La Nina, you have what's called the El Nino Southern Oscillation, or ENSO, which if you are a weather bug or a meteorologist, this is probably how you refer to uh, El Nino. As the uh,
1: El Nino Southern Oscillation? Yes. Very nice. So, ENSO,
0: you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. All
1: right, so we talked about some of the uh, effects on local weather in different parts of the world for El Nino, but that is... uh, not the only issue we we talked about it wreaking havoc it's not just oh it's raining a lot and it shouldn't be or oh it's super dry right like devastating effects billions of dollars in lives lost uh globally right um all over the place so 1997 98 the the chris farley one let's just call it the farley el niño el um by the time that was over i think you said earlier uh 33 billion
0: dollars in damage oh i thought it was like 80 billion i'm sorry i i I exaggerated. Maybe it would be eighty billion today. No, I was talking about the early eighties when I said eighty billion, I see now it's eight billion. Oh. Just I was just 8 flat billion. out wrong. So please
1: go ahead. That's still a lot of money. So thirty three billion in damage for the ninety eight one, half a billion in California alone. And uh it's a you know, a big deal. If you're an island in the Pacific, you rely on that rain sure. for life. For fresh
0: water? Yeah. Wash your hair? Sure. All that jazz. So food crops, they're going to suffer. Well, yeah, I mean, drought is really bad for it, but also so is too much rain too can actually ruin crops. Um, it's all it also has a tremendous effect on um, like property as well.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, if you live on the the side of a hill in Los Angeles, right, you might slide off of that hill and yeah. into the ocean below.
0: Yeah, where was that one? Um, there's a place in I think in the 80s. Oh yeah, in Peru. There is a place in Peru that normally gets about six inches of rain. Oh, yeah, that one? Yeah, and for the 1982-83 El Nino, it got 11 feet. Yeah, you, you
1: can't normally get how many inches? Uh, Six. Six inches and go to 11 feet and not have like serious damage done.
0: Right, and for those of you not in the U.S. or Liberia who weren't just like, wow, normally this place in Peru gets six cent- 15 centimeters of rain, <laughs> and they got three meters of rain that year. Wow. Now everybody's duly impressed. Uh, fisheries are also affected. Um, this is
1: one that I did not know. Anchovies uh, love that cold water off the coast of Peru. But uh, when that cold water is not there, they say, I'm swimming to where it's cold. Right. And so fisheries uh, either scramble to make up for that in other ways, or if they get warning, like they uh, get now, they say, hey, why don't we fish for something that likes cold water instead? Like shrimp. Like little baby krill and shrimp. Shrimp,
0: because you can do a lot of different stuff with shrimp. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> oh boy! Would you like me to list them off? No, Bubba Gump. Please <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't. Uh, it also affects just the health of individuals. Um, uh, disease-carrying rodents and insects are, you know, going to be more prolific in the wet weather. Uh, malaria um, is going to increase when it's unusually wet and
0: warm. Right. And when it is unusually wet and warm, things like diseases tend to spread a lot more easily. Sure. Mosquitoes breed very easily.
1: Yeah, which would account for the malaria.
0: Right. Threefold. Right? Did you say threefold increase in 1997? I did not. In Peru, there was a threefold increase in malaria in 1997 because of there were just that many more mosquitoes biting people. Yeah, and that's wet conditions. Um, in 1997,
1: Indonesia had 24 million acres, or 7.7 million hectares, you like that. Sure, uh, of of unchecked forest fires. Yeah, that's uh, that's devastating to the region.
0: It, well, yeah, and it was because again they're expecting a rainy season, and instead they got a drought, and uh, Indonesia in particular got well it got screwed over by nature okay i'm just going to come out and say it absolutely because they had uh, the warm conditions from uh the from southeast asia pushing into there yeah that area and then well they're in southeast asia but the the majority of southeast asia got warmer than usual conditions and then australia had drier than usual conditions and these two conditions pushed together and overlapped and made a venn diagram and that v- the center of the venn diagram fell Directly over Indonesia. Yeah. So Indonesia was like, we didn't elect Schwarzenegger. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, it burned, as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, 24 million acres. It's unbelievable. Uh, California, Southern California, it's not over for you yet. Uh, they said that there could still be some rough storms into March, but um it, you're not going to solve your drought problem, even if it was a strong El Nino. You know? Right. Right. Or, or if the strong El Nino led to, like, like massive amounts of rain.
0: Well, supposedly, also, when you get a lot of rain, too, um, it's really dangerous because if you've been through a drought... What, tree too much roots, at once? Yes. Yeah. Because tree roots, during a drought, come back up toward the surface because oh, yeah. they're trying to get all the water they can. So these trees have shallow roots. Yeah. So an influx or deluge of water just goes right underneath the trees and they fall over. Yeah, that happened... In Atlanta, Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I remember. And I may have even told the story of
1: the guy who got killed in front of my house. Oh, yeah, you did. I forgot about that. I mean, 30 feet in front of my house, a tree fell on a guy's truck sitting in a stoplight. Freak death. I know. And I think about that every time we have like massive amounts of rain Mm -hmm. for days and days at a time. Yeah. And I start to see trees down. When I'm driving, I I start to look around, you know, and pay attention. Not that there's much you can do. No, I mean maybe if you saw a tree falling, you could jet out of there. But, but you know, you got to go the right way. It's true, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a tree is a large swath.
0: Yeah, there was a an actress in Chicago. I can't. Remember. She was on TV. I don't remember what show, but she was riding her bike and a tree fell over and killed her. Tree falling over and killing you randomly is the like your number is up. There's there's how how can you think of the universe as being that random? It just it almost is like, I know, like fate showing its hand. Like, yes. yeah, you're sitting at a stoplight
1: and a tree falls on your car and kills you. Then, that's definitely.
0: Or physically moving past a tree on a bike and it falls yeah. over. The timing is that perfect that it kills you.
1: There was some movie where, God, uh, some one of those disaster movies where these large towers were falling uh-huh. and you know people were trying to outrun it by right. going like north the, or the same direction. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking like just go
0: left or right yeah it's the same thing as like don't go into the house i know no reason for you to go into the house it's just it's their movie tropes i get it yeah uh do you have anything else sir yeah so we talked a little bit about climate change um affecting el nino and and like the the general consensus is that yes it is going to affect el nino it's already affecting el nino and unsettlingly it's affecting el nino in ways that are wildly unpredictable right. to the current models we have, right? Um, and there's this uh, this blogger on um, climate.gov named Tim DiLiberto. Yeah, I'm probably over pronouncing his name a little bit, mm-hmm. but he uh, he's, he likens um, the Enso to uh, the light in like a dining room that's controlled by a dimmer switch, right? Yeah, and actually, because it's kind of complex, there's a bunch of different dimmer switches, but all of them control this one light that is Enso. Okay. And he says climate change is like this bratty kid that comes in the room and just starts messing with all the dimmer switches. Yeah, and it's going to affect the lights, but in all sorts of different ways right. that are really tough to predict. And he's basically saying like we we were we were caught with our our guard down in 1982, uh-huh. and we did a lot to to make up for that, and now it's so great that we can tell farmers in Peru, go plant in dry areas, and right. you're going to have a great crop this year. Yeah, or go fish for shrimp. Right, which is basically magic. Yeah. This is what their shaman used to do a couple thousand years ago. Right. We're now doing, right? Um, which is pretty cool, if you ask me. Agreed. Uh, but um, now we're caught with our guard down again, apparently. Uh-huh. And we're going to have to figure it out. Right. And by we, I mean they. And they better hurry up. Yeah, and the
1: prevailing thought that just things beyond unpredictable are just going to be more severe.
0: Yeah, but it's actually, that doesn't make any sense because it's less severe this year, even though the, the, the sea results, service yeah, temperature right. is warmer. Yeah. So it knows? says to me, they don't know. My I'm whole takeaway sure.
1: from that story is uh, my, that's my kind of dining room. Because I love dimmer switches. I love dimmer
0: <laughs> switches, too, man. If something will stand still long enough, I'll put a dimmer switch on it. Yeah, I've got them all over my house. Yeah. Because uh, why not have a dimmer switch? I don't know.
1: Why just have a dumb switch It's like, I can only be this bright. On or off? Take
0: your pick, Slim. Yeah. I mean, this is 2016, for God's sake. Yeah. So um, we have an Amazon Echo. And I don't know what that is. It's like the thing you talk to. It's the robot that eavesdrops on, on you while you're in your house. <laughs> Sounds neat. Um And it can't control lighting yet, but it's like right there. And I can't wait. I can be like, turn the living room lights to 30%. What's the purpose of this thing? I've uh, never heard of it. At, at its core, it's a wireless Bluetooth speaker that responds to voice commands. Oh, so I, you can I saw say, a commercial for that. Yes, that. So you, you have a
1: a house robot. As John Hodgman says, <laughs> yes, that is going to become sentient and uh, kill you and your wife in your sleep. Pro- probably, but not
0: for a few decades. Okay, good. Um, and in the meantime, she's just eavesdropping on us and feeding everything we say to the NSA. Wow. You know, I did see a thing the other day
1: where, I can't remember which brand of TV, but one of them came out and said, hey, you know that new smart TV? Um it's actually always listening to you, so watch what you say.
0: Yeah, no, everything that that um, has the capability, well, your phone. Like, if you look at apps and you're looking at the permission that you give apps on your phone, uh-huh. go check it out. It'll say, oh, yeah, we have access to your microphone. We have access to your video. Um, and you're granting them access, which means they can go in any time yeah. or all the time. And eavesdrop on what you're saying or uh, watch you w- through your camera while you don't think that it's it's on. Oh, like, I take I like over is... my laptop camera at least. Yes, that's smart, but your phone is, is very – have you seen Citizen 4? Not yet. Oh, Chuck. It's been sitting there on my TV. <laughs> you need to see that. It's uh, very enlightening for yeah. sure. They talk about that because apparently when Snowden came in the room – he like took everybody's phone, took the batteries out, and then put them in like a, the mini fridge in the in the room. and was like now we can talk. Wow, yeah. And he didn't realize he was talking to human cyborgs <laughs> that were recording everything with eye cameras. <laughs> no, well, actually, they had a camera in the room, which is the ironic thing. <laughs> and he was talking. He knew he was being filmed. Huh. He just, I guess, wanted to control the flow of information.
1: Well, if anyone out there wants to hack into my laptop, uh, I will untape it for you, and you will. Be subscribing to the most boring TV show in the world. No, I thought you were going to say <laughs> you'll take him on a wild ride. No, it's, uh, Chuck sweeps the floor. Chuck cleans out cat poop and forgets to put in a cat litter.
0: What did we? I think it was on Internet Roundup. We also talked about um, there was like a, a Russian website with nothing but links to like baby cameras and security yeah, cameras around the world. That's with People who had poorly protected cameras.
1: Well, yeah, because I think the thing with the baby cams is. They give you a password out of the box, mm-hmm. but you're supposed to change that. Right. And if you don't, then it's easily hackable. Yeah. And they're hackable anyway. Dude, I read stories where like, a, a lady went into her kid's bedroom with a uh-huh. camera and heard someone talking back
0: yeah, to the it, kid. in Russian. Yeah. It's, like yelling at the <laughs> kids. Every
1: parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. And that's one reason I don't have a video uh, baby monitor. Yeah.
0: And that, uh, usually Russians yell at babies through baby monitors worse than usual during El Nino seasons. That's right. Bring it full circle. If you want to know more about El Nino, type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said Christ child, it's time for Listener Mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call, well, you know, first we got a couple of quick corrections. Uh, oh, yeah. Milk. It does a body good. It does. Uh, Skim milk does not have high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, I just got that
0: one wrong. Yeah, it was off-the-cuff comment. Uh, But I I have thought that for a long time, and I'm trying to think of where I heard it. And I don't remember. I do not remember. It was either like Food Inc. or Fed Up or some documentary about food. Or I just confabulated it. Maybe. Sorry for that one. It happens. Uh, There is some additive,
1: though. I I stand by that. I can't remember what it is, but uh, it's not... Uh, HFC PCP uh, And AJ Hackett Boy are we sorry New Zealand Yeah sorry guys uh, The inventor One of the forebearers Of the bungee jump Was mm-hmm. definitely not Australian No He was a Kiwi And I've been both places So I know the difference Well and you're the one Who said it So you, you sir I apologize, New Zealand. Uh, And to make it up, New Zealand, we're going to come do a show there one day, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be free. Actually, that's not true, (laughs) because we have to actually pay for the trip. Yes. But um, I'd love to do a show there. Let's do it. If we go to Australia, we've got to go to New Zealand.
0: Oh, man. They'd kill us if we didn't. Plus, I just want to. Yeah. New Zealand's beautiful. That's what I've heard.
1: All right. So on to listener mail. Uh, this is just kind of a neat thing. That's what I'm calling it. Neat thing. Okay. Hey guys, uh, one year ago today, I proposed to my now wife, uh, so I guess she said yes, uh, (laughs) using a custom New York Times crossword puzzle. Oh, yeah. This sounds like something you'd do. Yeah. Um, and was entitled, uh, it was entitled Stuff You Should Know. Uh, I worked on the puzzle with a New York Times puzzle creator. That's so cool. Uh, and even got the official layout from the New York Times magazine staff. The hotel staff where we were staying that night swapped out the puzzle in our New York Times crossword that was to be delivered the following morning. Twelve to fifteen of the clues were tied to our relationship, including the title of the puzzle. Uh, from the finished puzzle, the phrase, I thought it said, you will marry me. That would be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> will you marry me? <laughs> uh, was spelled out in the bubbles. So creative. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Hannah, and I bonded early on through your podcast, and it has remained a wonderful constant in our relationship. So thanks so much for being great, and in a way, being part of one of the best days of my life, the day I proposed to my wife. That is neat. Three exclamation points. Nice. Um, I've attached some of the photos from that day. Uh, I looked at it, and yeah, the guy's telling the truth. Yeah, his story checks out. Uh, you guys are great. Adam in Chicago. P.S. We saw you uh, perform live at the Athenium Theater here and really enjoyed it. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Four exclamation points.
0: So he thinks we're doing a better work than he enjoyed his own uh, engagement.
1: Yeah, and he, he also said you guys are great. Two exclamation points. So I see where your priorities lay, Adam, in Chicago.
0: Yeah. We got six six exclamation points <laughs> combined. So uh,
1: Adam and Hannah, way to go. Hope you guys stay married forever and listen to us uh, as part of your long-lasting uh, flavor agreement yeah. legal agreement
0: <laughs> well put Chuck we just really deflated that dude's Man. balloon uh, if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet to us at SYSK podcast you can join us on facebook.com slash stuff you should know you can send us an email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com and as always join us at our home on the web the super cool super awesome James Brown of websites stuffyoushouldknow.com